2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Intel Hub News Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, www.whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website, theintelhubnewsnetwork.com. Today is Tuesday, January 4th, 2011. Happy New Year, everyone. This is the first show of 2011 for What on Earth is Happening. And we have a good show lined up today. We're going to be continuing our ongoing discussion of religion as a methodology of mind control. And uh, in today's show, I'm going to kind of probably wrap up this topic if I can, but it will uh, act as a bridge uh, into other topics, particularly into symbolism, which will be our next topic uh, as we continue to unfold the methodologies of mind control right here on this program. Uh today we're going to be talking about the hermetic principle of correspondence as it relates to religion. I kind of uh be, you know ended the show last week uh alluding that we would be getting into this but uh didn't really have time to do that last week so we'll pick that up this week and we're going I'm going to lay out um uh, kind of a theory but also sort of a uh, an observation really and many other people have made this observation I'm not the first and I won't be the last. uh, uh It's a a way that the uh, principle of correspondence really does indeed relate to religion and the way that the modern uh, big three religious traditions, what what, uh, I've called on my website, uh, as other researchers have called them, the desert sky god religions, namely Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, uh, how they have uh, basically worked their way into um, statuses of power in the world as major religions, and uh, how that happened geographically and uh, where their geographic positions are in relation to the earth today in, in their biggest concentrations. And uh, we'll be looking at how that really relates to consciousness on uh, a small scale. So um, these things are related. They correspond to each other. Uh, there are people who will deny this fact and say that that isn't the case, but uh, I'm going to try to make that case here tonight on the program and help to get people to see that that is in fact what is going on, and uh, it hopefully, if I can communicate this effectively, will help people to understand that the principle of correspondence in, as it is explained in the Hermetic tradition is true, and it is really what modern scientists that study chaos theory like fractals or that study quantum mechanics are really saying about the nature of reality, that it is holographic, that it is uh, self-similar uh, in all of its respects. In other words, that the universe is self-similar across scales. So we'll be looking at that tonight, and uh, we'll be getting into Kabbalah a little, a little bit tonight, the Kabbalistic tradition, and how this is the, really a, a root uh, tradition in all of occultism, uh, modern Western uh, schools of occultism in particular. And I've said that I was going to begin initiating people into different occult schools of thought, and tonight hopefully we we will uh, touch upon Kabbalah greatly, and I'll relate that to um, some of the things we talked about in the last couple weeks, namely the chakra system uh, in the, uh, the, the Vedic tradition. So that's coming up. Uh, I want to give the call-in numbers for the show, and I want to read a couple of event announcements. Always start the show with that to highlight some activity going on in the area, because that's ultimately what it's all about—is taking action. So the call-in numbers—if you should feel so inclined to call in—feel free at any time. No taboo topics here. Call in and talk about whatever you like. Seven two four. 444-7444. that's the first call in number, once again 724-444-7444, the call ID number 83515, 83515 is the call ID for what on earth is happening, if you want to call into the blog talk network instead on the intel hub, you can call 646 727 three three eight seven. Once again the blog talk call in number is six four six seven two seven three three eight seven. So I have a, the same three event announcements that I read last week. I'll repeat them again this week. Uh, there will be a third fundraiser for the Free Your Mind conference coming up at Germ Books and Gallery on Sunday, January sixteenth, twenty eleven, at two o'clock PM It's a ten dollar admission. All proceeds go toward the Free Your Mind conference. Uh, books at Germ Books and Gallery uh, will, um, 20% of all book sales during the fundraiser event will go to the Free Your Mind conference. The proprietor of Germ Books, David Williams, was so kind to uh, set up that deal for the day. So uh, if you buy any books at uh, Germ, a, a fantastic establishment here in Philadelphia, um, probably the best bookstore in the tri-state area. Um, 20% of the proceeds on the sales of those books will go uh, toward the fundraising effort for the Free Your Mind conference. This uh, fundraising effort will feature two special presentations. I will be giving one entitled, Everything I Needed to Know in Life I Learned by Watching The Wizard of Oz, which will be an exploration of the esoteric occult symbolism contained in the perennial classic movie, The Wizard of Oz, based on the book by Al Frank Baum. Also, Michael Austin Melton, another co-host of the Free Your Mind Conference, he is a field investigator of uh, Pennsylvania Mutual UFO Network, will be presenting um, a talk called The History of Mind Control in America. This, uh, This event will take place at Germ Books, which is at 2005 Frankfurt Avenue. That's 2005 Frankfurt Avenue, in Philadelphia, PA 19125. For more information, please visit GermBooks.com or FreeYourMindConference.com. On Saturday, January 22nd, 2011, the activist group Truth, Freedom, Prosperity will be hosting a uh, a beginning-of-the-year networking social. For all members of Truth Freedom Prosperity and all prospective members and anybody that wants to come out and check out this group and what their philosophies are and what their activities are all about, you can come out to Liberties. Liberties is at Second and Fairmount Street in the Northern Liberty section of Philadelphia, and the uh, the fund, um, I'm sorry the uh, networking social for TFP will be on the second floor of Liberties, starting at. 7 o'clock p.m. That's Saturday, January 22nd, 7 o'clock p.m., Liberties, 2nd and Fairmount, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity, Networking, Social. For more information, please visit truthfreedomprosperity.org. That's truthfreedomprosperity.org. Finally, the Free Your Mind Conference, a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult. Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, 2011, at Ruba Hall, R-U-B-A, Ruba Hall. Ruba is at 414 Green Street in Philadelphia. The doors will be opening at 9 a.m. both days. The program will begin at 10 a.m. both days. Admission is $20 per day in advance and $30 per day if you purchase your tickets at the door. The Free Your Mind Conference is a unique two-day event set for April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia, featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising public awareness of the critically important topics of mass mind control techniques, the covert and subversive influences upon our consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the practical mental and emotional healing methodologies available for those affected by these devices. The featured speakers Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Basiago, Bob Tuscan, Farah Yurdozu, Jan Irvin, John Nicholson, Larkin Rose, Laura Eisenhower, Mark Matika, Mark Passio, Mel Fabregas, Michael Kelly, and Suzanne Taylor. For more information on this conference, please visit www.FreeYourMindConference.com. Okay, that's all the event announcements I have for today, so let's get into our topic, and hopefully we will take a few calls during this broadcast. I want to, before we start, point everybody's attention to my website. If you're listening on there, you probably already see it, but if you're not, if you go to uh, what on earth is happening.com, and you click on the radio um, ad on the left hand side of the page for What on earth is happening radio. It will take you to the player page for this, uh, for this radio show, and uh, on there you will see, on that page, you will see uh, something that says images for tonight's show for January 4th, 2011, and there's uh, five links there. Uh, I did this to uh, give people some visual imagery to look at, um, to try to relate some of these topics uh, while we talk about them. And particularly uh, later in the show, when I get into Kabbalah, I'm going to be talking about one of the main symbols of the Kabbalistic tradition, which is the Sephirotic Tree of Life. And I have three different uh, variations, three different interpretations of the uh, the Tree of Life on uh, those images there. So if you want to follow along with uh, some of the symbology that I'll be talking about, you can take a look at those images on my website. So uh, whatonearthishappening.com. Click the radio uh, button on the left-hand side of the page in the in the uh, navigation column. That will take you to the radio listen page, and right on there you'll see images for tonight's show, and there's five links there, okay? So to recap briefly, uh, and this is related to image number one, what we have talked about over the last few weeks is religion as a method of mind control and how religious traditions are really based on astrotheology. Astrotheology Astro-theology being um, the worship of heavenly bodies as gods for the most part. Uh, now, again, we kind of talked about the, the ancients didn't really per, per se uh, look at these uh, bodies as gods per se. They were um, interpretations, they were symbols in in the higher uh, traditions of astrotheology. Of course, that may have perhaps fallen and become a, a literal interpretation in some astrotheological traditions, but certainly in the modern religious traditions, astrotheology is what the religion has really become about, and people are kind of uh, accepting at face value an exoteric story or a story that is given to the masses of people as opposed to the esoteric core meaning or core tradition which is reserved for initiates of a mystery tradition. So they're not seeing that their religion is based upon astrotheology and moreover what they're really being held back from understanding is the core tradition that really does contain a seed of truth and um, that is what the uh, astro-theologic um, exoteric tradition is there to really hold people back from, hence the name religion, meaning to hold back. So we talked about this over the last many weeks, I believe starting at podcast number uh, 37, if I'm not mistaken. And um, uh, you can go back and listen to those podcasts. They're all all archived on my site in the podcast section. Um we talked about the three major astrotheologically based religions as the, the three major religions of the modern world, namely Christianity, uh, Islam, and Judaism. Now tonight we're going to talk about the core tradition that underlies Judaism and which Judaism kind of grew out of, but it's moreover uh, Kabbalah is the mystical tradition that the Western occult tradition has grown out of as well. So to study Western occultism is to study Kabbalah. Uh, there is no separating the two really. Uh, when you study Kabbalah, other traditions are uh, intertwined within it as well. And maybe perhaps we'll start to touch on some of these traditions, like Tarot. Uh, the study of the Tarot deck, the Book of Life, so to speak, uh, is completely intertwined with Kabbalah and can't be separated from from a study of it either. Um, also, astrology is intertwined with uh, the study of Kabbalah and Tarot. And uh, that is, as I've said before, probably my weakest occult science when I uh, you know, uh, break, break it down and uh, understand what, I, what I've become aware of in my studies. Uh, but I'll touch upon a little bit of the uh, astrological basis of it uh, as well, if I can. So uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a Kabbalah a little bit later on uh, as the, the tradition that Judaism uh, came into the world as an outgrowth of. So uh, this first chart that I put up on the site, uh, image number one, is entitled the Desert Sky God Religions. All of these religions came out of the ancient world in the area that we call the Middle East, uh, the Semitic region of the world, um, you know, the area that we uh, call Iraq and Iran now, and um, and Israel and Egypt, that general area of the world geographically. So there are three basic ancient astrotheology cults that grew out of the ancient world there was the cult of the sun otherwise known as the solar cult the cult of the moon or the lunar cult and the cult of the stars and planets or the, the, the lesser lights of the heavens You know, the sun and the moon being the greater lights and then the stars and planets being the pinpoints of light or the smaller lights of the heavens and this of course refers to the stellar cult okay? stellar being the, the, the term for star um, so, each religion of the modern world, each major world religion, uh, is given to one of these cults of the ancient world. They're just an outgrowth of these ancient astro-theological priest classed cults. And they come down into the modern world in the exoteric tradition as a major world religion. The solar cult, uh, its modern incarnation being Christianity the Lunar cult's modern incarnation being Islam, and the Stellar cult's modern incarnation being Judaism. So I have a chart there showing this progression with the uh, the cult of astrotheology, the associated uh, revered celestial objects, the uh, modern world religion that it corresponds to, and the major symbol of that religion, which if you simply look at the symbol, right there in the symbol is the uh, revered celestial object of the astrotheological cult that we're talking about. The religion of Christianity has as its main symbol the uh, cross, the, uh, you know, with the sun upon it. As we saw before, this is the zod- zodiacal cross of the, uh, the, the 12 zodiacal houses, which it, it, when it is um, qu- quartered or formed into four quadrants, Uh, forms the the seasons of the year, and uh, the ancients would then um, place the sun on this cross of the zodiac and show its progression throughout the the sidereal zodiac year, uh, and formulate a story upon its progress and its movement through its twelve houses or helpers, and of course we saw how this was the story of Christianity, at least in the exoteric tradition The uh, lunar cult is based uh, upon uh, the worship of the moon or the goddess principle, and uh, Islam is the modern incarnation of that, and its symbol being the moon. Uh, You see the moon and uh, the small star called the sovereign and the divine being one of the main symbols of the Islamic tradition, and uh, Judaism being the stellar cult or the cult of the stars, its symbol is, of course, the Jewish star, okay, Uh, that symbol is actually much older than the Judaic tradition. Uh, it goes back far into the ancient world, even in, uh, beyond the Egyptian tradition uh, and the Egyptian mystery traditions. Uh, this is very ancient. Uh, it, in, the, um, in the Egyptian and Solomonic tradition, it comes down to us as the seal of Solomon. Of course, uh, modern Jews refer to this as the Star of David. However, uh, this is a union of the chalice and the blade, two very ancient archetypal, uh, archaic symbols from our ancient past as human beings. And uh, one the upward pointing triangle, of course, being the blade representing the male aspects of of the personality uh, and and of consciousness, uh, the left brain, in other words. Um, It's a phallic shape, uh, the tip of a spear, a thrusting principle, an active principle. And, of course, the the chalice, the inverted equilateral triangle, being the feminine principle or the womb of creation, the creative or intuitive force or the right brain principle. And these two things unified, uh, coming together, um, form the seal of Solomon. And, again, in the word Solomon, we have the word soul or sun and moon, moon. okay, solomon, the sun and moon, coming together. So that's, you know, the real original occultic origin of that symbol. And um, that goes far beyond even when these religions were formulated, uh, that symbolism is derived from. As is the, the the cross and the equal armed cross, it's much more ancient. It goes back right into anti- our antiquity as a species. So um, these religions, of course, borrow upon ancient symbolism. It, they didn't invent it. Because, of course, these are invented traditions that come out of these older traditions of astrotheology, which are born of even older archaic traditions uh, that we refer to as the mystery traditions. So, what I want to begin doing today for the first part of the show is talking about how these religions have moved through the geographical regions of the earth where they're concentrated at. And what this kind of really means from a perspective of looking at things from a holistic, in a holistic way, in a way that we see the correspondences. And it's not in ways that we're making up correspondences. I want to hopefully get people to see that this is a correspondence that does in fact exist. And it's a difficult thing to do. I've attempted to do this with people in the past. I've put it in my video presentation series And I'm going to try to uh, elaborate on it a bit more tonight. But when you lay out something like this, that is a very large pattern recognition concept, okay? This, this, This takes pattern recognition to understand the principle of correspondence. If the person's right brain is not very developed... They're not going to see this. And I'm I'm not talking about seeing things that aren't really there or inventing patterns that aren't there. I'm talking about actually using a little bit of left-brain understanding as as far as geography and as far as the breakdown of the human brain is concerned, and then using a right-brain approach to understand that these things are intricately related. They're inextricable. They have to be studied in conjunction with each other because they relate a fundamental occult principle to us, namely the hermetic principle of correspondence, which is the second hermetic principle. And this principle states that the universe is self-similar across scales, or as it is said in the hermetic tradition, that which is above is like to that which is below, and that which is below, is like to that which is above. In other words, the microcosm is a reflection of the macrocosm. In other words, the very small is a reflection of the very large. And vice versa, the macrocosm or the very large is a reflection of the microcosm or the very small. And a a lot of people will be very resistant to this concept because of their left brain propensity. Okay? an imbalance toward the left brain will make people say, oh, no, that isn't happening, that isn't how it is, you're seeing things, you're looking for patterns, you're seeing what you want to see. Well, I'm going to lay out my case, and as I said last week, if that's the way you want to look at it, fine. I'm not, I can't force anybody to see something that they don't want to see, but for the people who find this aspect interesting to study, it will open up new understanding to you if you really grasp the principle of correspondence in this one particular aspect. And this is what I call the earth brain aspect or the earth brain correspondence, okay? The theory of the earth brain. Okay, I won't say it's absolute fact. I wouldn't say it's purely a theory either, however. I'd say it's a pattern that I feel that I've recognized, and I'm not the first, I've heard this from many other people. Uh, I've spoken to some friends who said, I recognized this years ago. And when I was bringing it up to them, they already heard about it. And not from reading about it either, from contemplating it, from thinking about the religions, from thinking about the brain. and They understood this intuitively. So, again, some people see this pattern, some do not, and some refuse to. But I'm going to lay it out here tonight and make of it what you will. Feel free to call in at any time, comment on it, talk about it. I'll get to your calls after we break down some of these concepts. So if you look at image number two, if you're following along on the website, um, if you're not, I will do my best to try to explain this uh, uh, in as detailed a way as possible, uh, such that you'll understand what those of us who are looking at the images are looking at. And of course, these images will be on the podcast on my website, uh, as are many related images to uh, the, uh, the the shows and the topics that we talk about on these shows. Okay, so um, I usually put up the uh, podcast for the show the day after. I clean up uh, the the broadcast a little bit, in an audio editor put uh, the the intro music in there in a you know in a nicer, cleaned up form. I re-upload it to the site. And then I, I link to it on the podcast uh, section, and then I put some related images, documents, videos if there are any. For those who want to go up there and download all of that material, that is all free, of course, and maintained on a weekly basis uh, on the website. So uh, let's get into it. The theory of correspondence, as it is related to the major world religions, and particularly as it is related to the human brain, okay? If we look at the three astrotheologically based religions of the world, the three great religions of the world, as they have been called, the major religions, the ones that have the most adherents, we will see an interesting uh, aspect unfold. Christianity, okay, is a solar cult religion, as we have seen in studying astrotheology here on this show and uh, in, in many of the documents that I've uploaded uh, to the podcast section. It is male-based. We saw how the feminine is removed from Christianity in the aspect of the Holy Spirit, uh, the concept of the goddess or Mary being removed, and uh, you know the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit taking the place of the sacred feminine in the Trinity. This really particularly paints it as a male-dominated religion. All of them are male-dominated religions. But uh, in particular, women are not permitted to serve as a priest of this class. I don't believe they're permitted to serve as a priest in any of the major world religions, which is utter nonsense. Um, But that being the case, uh, I, I ascribe to the solar cult religion, the symbol of the blade, as we've already talked about. So I put that on top of an image of the sun, and I put it right underneath the symbol of the major world religion of Christianity being the cross with the sun behind the cross. So if we look at the concentration of this religion, it is predominant in the Western world, a Western civilization... This is the predominant religion. So while this religion was born in the Middle East, it gravitated to Europe and then, you know, it gravitated up through, um, through the Middle East, through Asia Minor, up into Europe, across the Mediterranean, and then, of course, across the Atlantic Ocean, specifically during the Spanish conquest and the conquest of. North America through uh, you know the colonization uh, that, uh, of um, you know um, Columbus and the other explorers that came over here and then finally colonized this region. However, th- this whole Western Hemisphere of the Earth, the predominant religion is Christianity. Now, of course, all religions are, are everywhere throughout the world. You'd be hard-pressed to go to any specific given country and not find some adherence to any given world religion, any given occult tradition or mystical tradition. But what we're talking about is major concentrations here, trends. We're looking at patterns, okay? This isn't a um, catch-all blanket statement here, all right? Understand we're looking at major trends or patterns, the western world its major religion in the western civilization of the earth is christianity i think that's pretty undeniable okay
3: if we correlate or correspond the western hemisphere of the earth
2: okay to the western or left hemisphere of the human brain Okay, we can see that the predominant aspects of the left brain are masculine, solar qualities. As we've looked at many times on the show, and we'll continue to, the aspects of consciousness that are yang-based, based upon male, masculine energies, I should say masculine, okay, solar, active, aggressive, dominant, logical, linear, Okay, all of these qualities that comprise left-brain thinking. Now, indeed, the entire globe, the entire population of the Earth has male dominator aspects ruling over it, but specifically, the, the western hemisphere of the Earth Contains the most dominant aggressive culture on the earth, namely the United States of America, which has become, quote, the policeman of the world. You know, it has become one of the biggest militarized uh, states, the biggest militarized state, not one of, but the, okay? And it has become the aggressor of the. Um, B- the black government, so to speak, the, the government in hiding, the uh, um, you know the hidden world government, if you will, that's really the international banking cartel system that controls governments throughout the world. But America is its lapdog. It is its attack dog. When, when countries don't fall in line for what the international banking cartels and the cultists that run that want, they send in America. To do their dirty work for them. That's what the role of this country has become. That's what the role of its military has become. Whether soldiers out there want to admit that or not. Tough. That's what it is. Okay. You know they want to make apologies for. You know what their institution does. Because they're a part of it. And they don't want to believe that it has become evil and corrupt. And it is run by psychopaths and, and evil people. But that's the case. Deal with it. Grow up. Understand that that's absolutely what. It has become, and it has been for a long, long, long time. Okay? So, this region of the world, okay, has become like the left brain gone haywire. Okay? So, specifically the United States region, which would correspond to the left uh, temporal lobe of the brain. Okay? This Aspect is purely male dominator in its essence, and that is the part of the brain, the left side of the neocortex, that if it is engaged chronically in and there is no balance, okay, to counterbalance it on the right side of the brain with creativity, intuition, feminine nurturing, okay, imagination, etc., simply passive.
3: Uh, aspects being uh, being engaged in, then what will
2: happen is the personality will become male dominator or controlling, because it will be essentially ruled by the R-complex of the brain, which is the lowest base brain, and we've talked about this many times, the reptilian brain. Okay, the R-complex. These two aspects of the brain, these two, um, <clears throat> these two constructs within the brain, the R-complex and the left hemisphere of the neocortex, kind of work in conjunction with each other once this purely left brain imbalance toward the left brain hemisphere has become chronic. It has been, go- it has been perpetuated, it has been ongoing for a long time. OK? The "R" complex of the brain will eventually rule the personality. Somebody will become male dominator, they will become physical. This world is all there is. obsessed with the physical, obsessed with the material, obsessed with survival. This world is all there is thinking. the lowest really the lowest form of consciousness that anybody can really have, because it doesn't take into account compassion, it doesn't take into account any emotional considerations.
3: It is a psychopath's personality. The second major world religion
2: is one that we saw was based on the lunar cult of astrotheology. The lunar aspects of the personality or the feminine. The yin aspects, as I have depicted here, symbolically, with the inverted equilateral triangle, the symbol, the archaic symbol known as
3: the chalice or the womb. I put this over the moon, an image of the moon, because this is the
2: lunar cult, the religion that, of course, is that, of course, is based upon the astrotheological cult of the moon, is Islam. We talked about how it's related to the goddess. I wanted to make clear, I posted the images of the Hajj, which is the um, pilgrimage to Mecca and the, uh, the um, circumambulation around the Kaaba when the, um, the shrine of the Kaaba is reached in Mecca for uh, is- Islamic pilgrims. That uh, make this journey. Uh, uh, hopefully, at least they they attempt to at least once in their life. And I posted a video of it. I posted two very interesting short video clips. Um, hopefully, people will find them interesting. Um, I posted one uh, of the uh, movement, the circumambulation around the Kaaba, and I wanted to make clear that what that represents astrotheologically is the counterclockwise rotation of the stars of the Milky Way galaxy around the supermassive black hole that lies at the center of the Milky Way. That is what this is symbolically depicting. Because as we saw last week and the week before, uh, Islam is based upon the goddess tradition, the sacred feminine tradition, the the lunar cult. And uh, it is not just the, the cult of the moon Okay, it is not just the astrotheological sect that uh, worships the moon. It, it is also given to the goddess uh, that depicts the uh, that, that simplifies the night sky. Okay, symbolizes the night sky, um, the 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 aspects of darkness. Okay, from which matter arises, void. Okay, we'll talk about this when we get into uh, Kabbalah as well. Because there are different versions of void in Kabbalah, or nothingness, or blackness, emptiness, from which um, possibility arises, okay? creativity emerges, okay? from which matter is given rise to, all matter. So this is the, the other aspect of the goddess tradition. We have to understand it is not just about the moon, it is also about um, the, the, the blackness of night. Okay It is also about the galaxy, because the galaxy is considered the um, the the potentiality from which all of the stars emerge. The stars are are in, embedded in galaxies, in galactic clusters, okay? They're, uh, And I don't mean clusters of galaxies. I mean stars come together. Uh, they, they don't really exist in interstellar space between galaxies. They exist in galaxies, in galactic configurations. Okay, so the goddess was more than just the moon, and she's more than just the night sky. She also represented the the the, the energy that holds the galaxy in its form. That's what the goddess tradition was symbolizing. Okay, so. This was looked at as the great mother that gave birth to all of the stars that are her sons, okay? And this is what the Islamic tradition is symbolizing with the Hajj pilgrimage and the uh, circumambulation, the counterclockwise circumambulation of the Kaaba. So I posted an image of this um, walking around the Kaaba. In a counterclockwise fashion by thousands of, of Muslims, and it's it's very fascinating. Uh, understand that it is based upon astrotheology, and you're you're seeing a symbolic representation of a spiral galaxy, a um, you know, like the one we live in, the Milky Way galaxy is a spiral galaxy. There is a black hole, a supermassive black hole at the center of that galaxy, around which the stars form a counterclockwise rotation. So this is what is being symbolically enacted at uh, the, the Holy Land of Mecca uh, in the Islamic tradition. And, of course, all the adherents to this tradition wear white to symbolize themselves as a star. We talked about each being being like a star in, in the aspect that we carry these chakra centers, uh, these uh, rotating um, uh, gatherings of, of energy centered around glandular activity in the body that is called chakras in the... Um, Vedic tradition, okay, and we saw how these correspond to different planets in the solar system. So we're like a, a mini solar system, okay, in, in the tradition of the, the, the chakra tra- tradition of the, the Vedic tradition of uh, the Indus Valley. Uh, it's an interesting study to take up, studying comparative religions and all of their interconnections and how they uh, relate to one another in different ways. But uh, what I wanted to say about Islam is uh, with the video that I had posted, the second video is very rare, a very rare glimpse inside the Kaaba building itself. And um, some people will look at that as sacrilege, okay, that 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 is posted. And some people look at it as sacrilege that, that was even taken. Well... You know if you're following this show, you understand I don't see anything sacred in modern religions. They are all um, getting people to focus on things outside of themselves, so they never really get to the heart of the matter, so that they, they never really get to the core tradition that underlies all of this garbage nonsense of of symbolism and of beliefs and of uh, just doing actions and not really understanding why you're doing it, and not asking questions and following along with rote behavior and dogma. Okay, because that's all it's about is control. That's all of these religions are about, control, period, the end. Just like government, it's just the opposite form of mind control. We talked about them being, you know, one is a binding upon the right brain. That's what government is. Of the left brain out of control, the male dominator out of control, left brain, and it's a bond, binding upon the right creative and intuitive and nurturing and feminine brain. Well, religion is the exact opposite. It's a binding that's placed upon the left brain, which is the logical and analytic and you know um, reason aspect of the brain, okay, so that it can so that you can get people to accept all kinds of nonsensical beliefs and dogmatic approaches to life that don't really make any sense and only really benefit the priest class that is really doing it just to get people to fall into line and do what they say. Okay, so it's also based on control, but it's just the opposite method for people that you know, aren't going to fall into a left-brain uh, aspect of, of control you put them under a right brain aspect of control, shut their left brain off, and they become passive servants. And that's what people who, would, who, who are uh, extremist, uh, extremist adherents to religion have become. Don't question. You know, just accept. These are all right-brained, out-of-control, brain qualities. When the, when the right brain goes haywire, hey, the person doesn't really accept. They accept. Uh, doesn't really uh, question. I'm sorry. Uh, they accept everything that is basically told dogmatically because somebody else knows better than me, and this is just the you know the word of God as it's handed down to me through the prophets and the priest class. So who am I to question it? All done as a method of control. Okay. So uh, we we saw how the uh, oh uh, just to go back to that video to wrap that part of this up. Um highly interesting video I mean uh take a look at it. The inside of the Kava building seen for the first time. you could see this on my podcast page in podcast number forty that was last week, and I posted this uh, video um millions and millions and millions of muslims throughout history have not gotten a chance to see what is inside this building reserved only for the priest class there's nothing super interesting in there either it's a uh, an altar um there's a lot of marble and some uh some um metal working and there's some uh, incense burners and it's uh it's fairly interesting as far as artistic uh it's artistic nature but it's not like you're going to see anything that's uh you know so amazing that it'll blow your mind but um just thought it was interesting in uh, in putting the circumambulation of the Kaaba building up there I uh came across that video and felt that I would uh share it on the site for those who might find it interesting to take a peek inside the Kaaba itself so um the lunar aspects of, the con- of consciousness, as we talked about, are passive, they are feminine, they are um, uh, intuitive, creative. These are the right brain qualities, and again, these are very important in balancing the, uh, the brain hemispheres because this is what's really missing in our culture. These aspects of the brain are what keep, uh, are what keep people in the, uh, the unquestioning mode that they go along with. Um, they're not developing the positive aspects of the right brain. They're trapped in all of the lower aspects of it, which is don't question authority. Lay down. Don't stand up for yourself. Just be a slave, you know? If they really turn on the imagination and create a power of the right brain, we, we get out of this mess that we're in very quickly as a species. That's really what's required on all of our parts. And... Um, uh, so on this image here, I've placed the moon with the symbol of the chalice, the sacred feminine, and the symbol of Islam being the crescent moon with the uh, star, the small star. And um, I put this next to the right hemisphere of the human brain. Because if we look at geographically where the lunar cult or the Islamic tradition spread to, it is clearly the eastern hemisphere of the earth. Clearly, the major religion of the Eastern Hemisphere, yes, Buddhism is very big, yes, Hinduism is very big, but clearly the biggest religion of the Eastern Hemisphere, and as a matter of fact, as far as adherents go, it is the largest religion in the world, is Islam. Based upon the astro-theological cult of the moon. Okay? So, we see the Western hemisphere adopting the solar male religion based upon the sun, okay, and the law obsessed uh, Old Testament male dominator father god, creator god, okay. And we see the right hemisphere of the earth being the predominant religion there, being the lunar cult religion that is based upon submission to God. The word Islam means submission to God. That's what it means. So right in the word, you have the passive qualities of the right brain,
3: the right brain gone haywire, really, being expressed. The, the dogmatic, non-questioning aspects of any given religion are probably the
2: strongest in Islam, as a matter of fact. You simply do do it because that is what is mandated by the uh, originators of the religious tradition. Well, I hear the uh, intro music playing for the break that we have coming up. It's a good spot to take a break. We've covered the left brain and the right brain aspects We'll get to the third one after we come back from this break. I'm Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening on the Intel Hub. Not-
4: no.
5: A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011 we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www end of America 8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's America the number8.com. Watch this free video at www.endofamerica8.com.
0: Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans, thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth? you don't owe a single penny, and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out, here's where we come in. 2 prospercom specializes in a profound debt repudiation method, which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now.
4: Make sure and listen to me. On Kansas, every Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern
0: Standard Time on the Intel Hub News Network. In a world where corrupt officials and oligarchs have seized control of the population, so dear, is amongst us the burden of humanity rests on our shoulders. The only way out. If to expose the global crimes that we catch, known as the New World Order. Together, we are all one. Together, we are, in hell, soldiers. The battle for free humanity
4: ensues. General us in the fight. The Intel Okay,
2: we're back on what on earth is happening on the intel hub news network i'm your host mark passio before the break there we were talking about the theory of correspondence as it is related to the major world religions and specifically as it is related to the human brain is the earth itself a brain is the living system of the earth similar to a human brain. What I'm trying to get out here is as many of the consciousnesses that comprise the whole, the totality of the people on the earth, think and behave, you will see patterns unfold that correspond the way their brains operate and their consciousness operates, you will see these patterns unfold on a large scale that is a reflection of what is happening at the smaller scale level but in many, many individuals. Okay? So, we saw a male driven masculine quality aspect of religion, okay? I hear music coming up again. I'm not sure we're going into another break here that quickly. I'm not sure what happened.
3: For, uh, this, this is a technical issue here.
4: If anyone,
2: uh, anyone at the network is hearing that, picking up that music, we we'll, can uh, we'll look into why that
4: is coming through.
2: sure, uh, why we were getting, uh, music. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that will, uh, that's still going on. let see if I could, uh, well, it looks like it stopped there. Hopefully that won't.
4: Yep.
5: Bear with me, folks. to get this up.
2: Okay, I'm just going to put that on hold for the uh, blog talk listeners. Um, and when I get confirmation that uh, that's cleared up coming in from the network, and I will... Uh, go back to that, but we're still broadcasting on shoe, so I'll just continue and pick up from where I left off. Uh, we were talking about um, um, the principle of correspondence as it relates to religions, and we saw that the left-brain uh, aspect religion, namely Christianity,
3: was based upon the solar cult, which is a left-brain principle, and its adherents are largely gathered in the western hemisphere of the Earth. The left hemisphere, okay? As we look at, at it directionally, okay? The lunar-based cult, based upon the moon, after I spoke with you, I came
1: back on, I heard that there's there, the computer music and, are, are, and I heard you. Do,
2: do we have it cl- cleared up on the uh, network end, Bob?
1: Yeah, it was It was cleared up. I'm, I'm not sure what exactly happened. I can hear you now. You, you were breaking up uh, slightly, but um, we're back now. Is it cleared up on your end?
3: Yes, it is. Thank
2: you. No okay, problem. Okay,
1: not a problem. Uh, we'll, we'll let you jump right back in the show, Mark. As always, uh, it's a pleasure to be here to help you in, in your program, and I, I look forward to listening although I have to be honest, I was on another call, and no I'm not sure what happened, but uh, we'll get it smoothed out eventually.
2: Thanks, Bob. Thank you.
1: No okay, problem.
2: so we're back broadcasting on uh, both networks here. So I was just saying, uh, I, as I went to the blog talk call, we're just looking at the correspondences between the, the human brain and the distribution of religions in the world on the geographical surface of the Earth, um, and uh, understand that the neocortex is really the outside a uh, covering of the, um, the 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 gray matter of the brain. It isn't the, the, all of the gray matter. It is really the outside portion of it. Uh, the whole gray matter of the brain is called the telencephalon, but the uh, the neocortex is actually the covering of the telencephalon. The the outside, which is where all the neural firing of the brain, the neurons are are actually fire to create uh, different uh, uh, connections and neural pattern. Uh, pattern firing within the, uh, the, the, the brain. And it's interesting that we live on the surface of the earth, which is, corresponds to the neocortex of the telencephalon. okay, when it comes to the brain. The solar or left brain aspect of consciousness, okay, the masculine aspect of consciousness, this solar cult uh, came down into the modern world as Christianity, okay, it is gathered in the western hemisphere of the earth, which corresponds to the left brain if we were to look at the planet holistically as a brain with two hemispheres. We have a western hemisphere or left brain hemisphere and an eastern hemisphere or right brain hemisphere. The passive or lunar-based religion which is Islam, is based upon the cult of the moon in astrotheological terms, and it is the, the adherents to this religion are largely gathered on the other side of the planet, from where the solar, cult, religion adherents are gathered. They largely live on the eastern hemisphere, or the right brain, if we were to look at the Earth holistically as a brain. With these two hemispheres, and isn't it interesting that there is a ideological war between these two factions or religions? Specifically, after 9/11, with the Western left-brain religionist Americans going after the fundamentalist Islamist, uh, you know, Islamic. Uh, factions that they believe did 9/11 that are largely focused on the right hemisphere of the earth or the eastern hemisphere so it's like the left brain attacking the right brain we have a third major world religion however and that is judaism and that is centered in israel in the middle middle east okay, so it's in the middle
3: on the, the dividing line, so to speak. Its symbol is the star. As we saw, the stellar cult is the lesser
2: lights of the heavens, the stars and the planets, with Saturn being the primary object, because uh, we spoke about that last week. It is the major planet of the, of the planetary system that surrounds our sun, because... It is the the farthest object, with the naked eye, at least, that can be seen. So, the ancients viewed it it as the ruler of the other planets, since it has the largest orbit, and thereby
3: its orbit encircles all of the other planets. This Saturnian-based religion, based upon the god of the Old Testament, of course... is based in the Middle East, and still largely resides in the Middle East. Of course,
2: uh, adherence to Judaism are found all over the world, in just about every country, however their concentration, of course, is greatest in Israel, which is in the Middle East, and this part of the Earth as I've talked about in my presentation, and we'll Try to help people to understand what its function is symbolically or what you could say, what you could call synchromystically, okay? And it's, I think it's more than just a synchromystic connection or a synchronicity that is expressing itself in a, kind of like a higher consciousness way or a mystical way. Synchromysticism I talked about before, it's a fascinating topic to, to look into. I highly encourage everyone to do just that. But the Middle East itself is where Western civilization, or now we're talking about the left brain of the earth, okay, symbolically. It's, the Middle East is where Western civilization gets most of its oil from. Now, you can say, well, it's not the biggest concentration of oil, that's understood. There are concentrations of oil that are even larger in other geographical areas of the Earth, but this is where we get the oil that we are using from. Now, if we look at these two hemispheres as brain hemispheres on the Earth, okay, that would place the Middle East at the back
3: of the head, which is where the cerebellum is at, the hind brain. Now, this is part
2: of the R-complex. The brainstem and the cerebellum form the R-complex.
3: The R-complex, specifically the cerebellum, delegates motor skill to the body. This is the part of the brain that conducts motor reflexes,
2: or in other words, it helps us to move properly. When we command, you know, our, our limbs to move or our bodies to move, or you know, any aspect, it controls respiration, it controls, you know,
3: our ability to walk, manipulate objects, etc. Motor skills. Period. So, think about it. What is
2: making motion possible? Or in other words, transportation on a large scale of people, the motion of people, is the oil or the energy resources that are being extracted from this region of the earth. In other words, The
3: brain, on a large scale, is being powered by the
2: R-complex of the global Earth brain. Just like on a smaller scale, the consciousnesses of the people on the Earth are being powered by the R-complex of the brain. This is why we're still on oil as our main method of energy production.
3: This is why we're addicted to this fuel in a repetitive way, in a purely survivalist,
2: instinctual,
3: I-need-to-have-it-or-will-die type of thinking. Repetitive, ritualized, perpetual thinking,
2: movements, these are all our complex behaviors. I know that's, it's a, a difficult concept to really conceptualize about, but just try to think about it in a way that you're corresponding these things. Look at the small. How are most people thinking? Then look at the large. What's happening on the large scale? The left brain is attacking the right brain over the
3: control of the hind brain of the earth think about it and it wants to
2: perpetuate the hindbrain being in control
3: of the whole keeping us on that energy paradigm of middle eastern oil
2: and again we can get into you know controversial subjects related with how the judaic religion has been used as a cover you know, David icke has been talking about this greatly. I just posted a great article on his site about Zionism, and it's a topic most people won't go to. But I very bl- briefly mention it in my presentation, and you know, I talk about how Zionism is a political ideology. It has nothing to do with religion. Anybody can be a Zionist and not have to be Jewish. The, the equation of these two things is nonsense. They're not in any way equal to each other as a matter of fact they're diametrically opposed to each other philosophically and people who adhere to the true Judaic tradition uh, based upon the Torah want nothing to do with Zionism because they know what it is it's a radical out of control male dominator political ideology and um, you know uh, anybody who equates uh, Zionism with true Judaism doesn't understand at all either of these things you know, and a lot of people equate uh judaism with all jewish people as well and i don't think that's the case either uh, as you know it is based upon the tribe of judah and not all of the tribes of israel judaism is a specific tribal religion but you know these are controversial topics because of the ways that uh people will try to equate certain uh you know understandings to uh, uh anti-semitic uh you know anti-Semitic, uh, beliefs or, or, opinions, and they have, it has nothing to do with that. Um, you know, Zionism is, uh, is something that, um, is hidden behind, uh, you know, by its adherents, and they want to equate that with all Judaism so that they can hide behind the race card and hide behind, uh, you know, saying that, uh, anybody who disagrees with their political ideology is against, uh, Jewish. Yes.
1: Do you need me to jump in here as the token Jew of the network?
2: Sure, why not? I know you're very knowledgeable upon uh, this topic, Bob, and you've discussed this many times on your show. So, uh, sure, if yeah, you want have... to chime in on that, since we're talking about the three major religions as it relates to the, uh, the uh, principle of correspondence and the earth brain – and I was, you know, just uh, have it taking an aside when we uh, were talking about the, the geographic placement of Judaism in the Middle East and how that corresponds to the, uh, the um, uh, cerebellum of the earth brain, and how the, the 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 oil reserves of the whole Middle Eastern region, particularly in the region of Saudi Arabia and I, you know, Iran, Iraq, all are related to um, uh, the, the uh, motor skills. Of the, of the brain because on, sure. a, on a mass scale, this is the place where we're getting the energy to power the motion of the people of the earth. And I, I took an aside to go into uh, the difference, the, the diametrical opposed difference uh, between Zionism and Judaism and how neither one of these things are, are equated in any form, however... Uh, Zionists who are political uh, ideologues want to insist that these things are somehow uh, equivalents. So you could chime in from, from that
3: point.
1: Well, that's absolutely right, Mark. And a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, the Jews, uh, the, most of the Jews today from Eastern Europe are um, Kazarks. They come from um, the Kazark region, as from what I understand. So they're not the same people from the Semitic backgrounds in the Fertile Crescent. And if we go back to the basis of all the world's major uh, religions, which is the creation myth, the the Sumerian creation myth. In the Sumerian creation myth, they let you know that this religion is a mind-control tactic used to brainwash people so that the political structure could come up with a means of convincing people to be submissive to their authority or the authority, in this case, of of religion. And that's how I see it. And I wanted to jump in real briefly and say that if you're critical of Zionism, for instance, which is a political agenda in the world today that has created a lot of problems, it doesn't matter who you are. We're all human beings at the end of the day, and the divide and conquer in this uh, is something not to get caught up in. Uh, the labels and the, and the finger pointing is something to not get to not get caught up in. And, and that being said, those that are critical of Zionism or some of the more um, satanistic sort of uh, methods of the Kabbalah or whatever, they shouldn't be labeled as bigots or anti-Semitic or whatever. You know, just as me coming from a Jewish background, um, when I say something about uh, Israel or critical of these things. I would never be considered anti-Semitic because I'm from a Jewish background. Somehow there's this double standard, and and I just wanted to chime in and lend my support to all open-minded free thinkers.
2: Well, I thank you for that, Bob, and uh, I I appreciate your view on that, and I I absolutely agree. And uh, I I kind of equated um, the Zionist ideology with um, atomism I I equated it with uh, dark Luciferianism. I equated it with dark Kabbalism, because we're going to jump into this uh, when I start to talk about Kabbalah. And I would have been remiss if not at least mentioning Zionism and how it is diametrically opposed to true Judaism, which is a peaceful uh, religion that really... Um, you know, I, I still believe that it is a, a form of mind control, as all religions are, but it is attempting to teach people more morality and, uh, you know, uh, uh, adherence to uh, natural law, God's law as they see it. Um, Zionism, however, is nothing of the sort. As you've said and as I've said previously, it is a political ideology that is based upon control and specifically controlling people through mind control techniques. Uh, ultimately, all of these dark aspects of occultism, any occult thinking, no matter how it is hidden, the dark controlling aspects of it really have taken over everything. They have taken over all of these institutional bodies. They own the Vatican. Okay? So there are, uh, there are dark occultists that really own and control the direction of Christianity. They have taken over at the highest levels of the Islamic religion. They have taken over at the highest levels of the Judaic religion. They own the religions, just like they own the governments, just like they own the banks, just like they own the schools. Okay, They've, they've taken over through infiltration, and that's the important thing to keep in mind. I, I like David Icke's position on the whole Zionism thing, as he calls it Rothschild Zionism, because he equates it with the international banking cartels that really, um, you know, took over the Federal Reserve System, own the Federal Reserve System, and are really uh, controlling all the governments of the world through the, uh, the uh, international banking uh, system that is set up uh, as, a, as a means of control and as a means of basically uh, pillaging countries and robbing them of their natural resources and putting them under the thumb of, uh, of uh, immense debt. So um, it, I just felt it was interesting to note that we have a war that is going on between the left brain and right brain of the earth and uh, 9-11 was something that was responsible for uh, that being set into motion and I want to talk about that a little bit when we come back from this break you're listening to What on Earth is Happening on the Intel Hub in
4: Stanford.
0: Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't owe a single penny and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. 2 prospercom specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to settlement, bankruptcy, or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit free2prosper.com right now.
5: Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com.
3: Join me, Joe Joseph, John King, and A.C. Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom Lake Radio on the Intel Hub News Network.
5: A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie May, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner general growth properties a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, all this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video, which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www. End of America 8.com. Although this video may be offensive to some audiences, it's worth checking out. Again, that's www.end of America the number 8.com. Watch this free video at www.end 8.com. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the New World Order piece by piece. <laughs>
2: Okay, we're back on what on earth is happening. Before the break, I was talking about uh, the the correspondence principle uh, as it relates to the human brain and the major world religions. We had broken down all the world religions, the astro-theological cults from which they are derived, their geographical placement, and how this correlates to uh, uh, the the brain and the uh, functions of the brain, and how... Uh, this is telling us a story on a grand scale, on the large scale, the macrocosmic scale. And um, it's very interesting to note that, you know, I, and I deliberately kind of set it up like this in the image as three pillars, okay, or three um, lines, okay, that you have Christianity on the left, uh, Judaism in the middle, Islam on the right, because I, I want to start helping the pe- people to understand um the dialectical approach of 9-11. We're going to look at 9-11 when we look at the 14th methodology of mind control being the Hegelian dialectic, or what I call chaos sorcery, and we'll look at that in depth. But uh, I want to briefly mention that on the air here today because if we look at the uh, dark version of the Hegelian dialectic, as we talked about when we talked about controlled opposition on this show, being artificial conflict resolution, or what has been called by researchers like David Icke, problem-reaction-solution. It's creating a problem and then managing the, uh, the, uh, the chaos of the problem that is created so that you can come in and step in with a predetermined solution that you wanted all along. You know, put people in a confused state of consciousness through some kind of uh, really uh, uh, chaotic situation And then that's your opportunity to come in and step in, pose as the savior, and offer your predetermined solution, which is what you wanted in the first place. Uh, And in people's confused state of consciousness and fearful state of consciousness, because of the problem that has been created, they are um, uh, very willing to step aside, lay their rights aside, lay their logic aside, and let somebody else handle the problem for, for them. If it means that things will go back to some state of uh, of uh, um, order, and it's their order, it's the controller's order that set the whole that set the whole chaos into motion that that they're ultimately trying to create. So this is um, order out of chaos in a very dark sense of the uh, of the meaning of that term of that phrase. So this is dark Hegelianism, or um, we can look at this as, uh, like I said, simple. Uh, artificial conflict resolution done in the name of uh, sorcery. I call it chaos sorcery. It's been called chaos magic by different researchers. But um, on 9-11, I believe we saw this in action. And it was, if you look at the Project for the New American Century calling for a new Pearl Harbor in their documents, like Rebuilding America's Defenses, and you understand that they were essentially trying to maintain the hegemonic, uh, hegemonic domination of the planet by the Western Hemisphere, specifically the Anglo-American complex, and specifically the United States' war machine. Uh, they needed to create a problem, and this was done uh, through a, a lot of Zionists that worked with uh, the, um, the Project for the New American Century and, and other think tank organizations. So uh, it's very, very involved. The U.S. CIA was involved. The Israeli Mossad was involved. The Pakistani ISI, other intelligence agencies. And we'll get a little bit into the mechanics of it, but I don't want to get focused in that when we start to talk about this in earnest in several weeks. We're going to really talk about the symbolic aspects of this, and that's what I'm kind of uh, uh, using this as a little bit of a foreshadowing of. Uh, We have to understand that there was a force in the middle that was controlling the opposition. So, looking at this graphic, we can see that if we look at it not just from a religious perspective, but from a perspective of something that recently happened in the world, um, a dark cabal that was, you know, essentially Zionists acting as um, this uh, this mediating force created a problem that really wasn't what it appeared to be. And in doing so, they set two opposing sides off against each other in a conflict, in a war, in the Middle Eastern region of the of the Earth. Absolutely amazing, synchronistically, if we understand that, if we really understand what 9/11 really was, okay, uh, not the official story. If we reject that whole ridiculous, bogus notion, which I think anybody listening to this show it doesn't think that that's the real version of events. If if you do, I really feel sorry for you. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't even try to argue with you about that because the cognitive dissonance would have to be so strong for you to believe that at this late date. That go right ahead and believe what you want. You know, I'm not going to try to convince anybody other, otherwise of that. I you know rather not bang my head against that wall. But we'll talk about the symbolic significances of the 9/11 event in upcoming shows. And um, this is kind of a predecessor to that, and it's a good jump-off point to start talking about Kabbalah. Because as we uh, see, if we look at the main symbol of the Kabbalistic tradition, which is there in uh, image number three on the uh, radio show page for uh, images for tonight, if you're uh, still looking at that, um, this is a... uh, Representation of the Kabbalistic Tree, which is also comprised of three basic pillars or paths, and these pillars or paths are shown in this first image, image number three, which has all of these um, spheres and paths that form the Kabbalistic Tree. And we're gonna, I'm gonna break them down here tonight in the last half hour of the show, and uh, hopefully uh, I can do this in that amount of time. If not, we'll continue with this uh, next show, and then jump off into another topic, or, you know, this would kind of lead into symbolism as well, which it's a nice intro for that as well. But um, let's start to look at this uh, uh, symbol of this occult tradition, and we can consider this a very, very brief introduction or initiation into the occult tradition of Kabbalah. Now, the first thing I want to say about Kabbalah um, is that Like other occult traditions, we have to get out of this childish notion that some people still have that there is only one side to this, that there is a dark side to it, and there is no light side to it. Well, this is nonsense. All traditions have a light and a dark side to them. It is how knowledge is used. Occult simply means hidden, and this is an occult tradition. It has been hidden through the ages. It has been hidden for different reasons, some people have had to hide it because they know the power that it contains in transforming consciousness and how male dominators in their times would try to kill them for using it in that way, okay? in its positive transformative aspect. Uh, male dominator uh, dark occultists always want to hide their methodologies because they don't want people to understand their methods of mind control because if they understand them, they come out of them. You can't keep people under mind control who deeply understand the methodologies of mind control. You know, it's an oxymoron. You know, once you really start to understand these methods, if you understand that they're being used, you're coming out of that level of control simply by the nature of understanding the methods that, that, that are used to put people under it. So Kabbalah is the same way. It is a tool. It is knowledge of self, ultimately, as we're going to see, as all of this is, okay? It, uh, that's why I always relate it back to the self. The religions are ultimately about deeper traditions that relate to the self. They want to hide that from you. They want to conceal that. They don't want you to look at the real tradition. They want you focused on their exoteric story that they give you to believe in and focus on that has nothing to do with the self, Okay? They don't want you to understand the principle of correspondence because then you're going to see larger patterns at work in nature and at work in human society, and you're going to understand that as the small goes, so, so goes the very large, and vice versa. And that's a powerful concept if you can really grasp it and wrap your mind around it. Well, as with any occult tradition, they want to hide it from you. you know, they want to even paint the idea in your mind that occult is the equivalent of evil, occult which it ha- which it is not. It is a tool, it is hidden knowledge, it is knowledge that has been hidden for various reasons. I feel it needs, now is the time that it needs to be revealed and not hidden anymore, and that will lead to true human freedom, which is why I'm going to teach every occult tradition that I understand, that I have come to know, that I have come to put into practice in my life, and Kabbalah is one of the most influential uh, on my path of development. Uh, I feel I have a fairly decent foundation and understanding in some of its symbology. And uh, I'll do my best to give a brief introduction. Of course, you know, I'm not going to go into uh, huge, long, uh, extremely in-depth teachings of it, but uh, I'm still learning about it myself. But I will break down some of its main symbology, particularly the tree of life, explain what it is, explain what the... uh, the different elements of it are, and uh, hopefully get people to understand how this relates to themselves and their own consciousness. Um, So that's the first thing. All occult traditions are neither good nor evil. They are used by people with different intentions, and the intentions could be good or evil. And I will hopefully do my best to embody the light side of this tradition and explain it uh, to, to people as in the respect that it could be a powerful transformative tool in consciousness for them. So, let's look at this symbol known as the Tree of Life. This is called the Sephirotic Tree of Life. Sephirot is usually spelled S-E-F-I-R-O-T, Sephirot, sometimes spelled S-E-P-H-I-R-O-T. The Sephirot are these spheres, these circular um, uh, symbols on this Tree of Life pattern. And you see I've given three different Tree of Life uh, images on the site because they all contain slightly different information. And uh, I'm looking at the first one, number three, and I'll use that as the main one and just refer to some of the other things that are on images four and five as we go along. There are ten, ten um, spheres on this tree. And these are called sephiroth, okay? A sephira is a, a singular Okay? so, uh, so th- th- uh, sephirot means emanations emanations is what it means it means uh, uh, an upwelling okay? an emanation it means uh, an expression that's what sefirot means so each one of these spheres are an expression or an emanation Okay, and it is said that they are an expression of God and I would say that they're not only an expression of that, but they're an expression of individual consciousness as well. They're an expression of the monad of consciousness, not just the totality of consciousness that we call God. Okay? Um, if we look at the Kabbalistic tradition, we will understand that there are in fact two aspects of this tree of life. One is a microcosmic aspect or the, the indwelling aspects of consciousness, and one is a ma- macro-cosmic aspect tree, which um, is a reflection of the universe and the cosmic principles and cosmic laws that are in, in found in nature. Okay. We will really see this when we look at the tradition of tarot, and to study the Kabbalah is to study the tarot, and, and there, there's really no... no separating these things, as I briefly stated before. Uh, One inherently contains the other. So to to study the tradition of Kabbalah, we have to understand we're taking on the tradition and the study of the tradition of Tarot as well. I will also make the statement before I get into the symbology that to study the symbol of Kabbalah is to study the Western mystery tradition, uh, occultic uh, schools of thought in general. And specifically, it is to study one in particular, and that is Freemasonry. Kabbalah and Freemasonry are completely interwoven. And anyone who will tell you that they are not either does not know or is lying, because they absolutely are completely interwoven. And uh, I will do my best to help show that correspondence as well. So these three traditions are tied to each other. As, as is the astrology tradition, okay? the astrology uh, um, occult science. Uh, again, that is one that I am not as strong as in my studies of uh, the others, but I, I'll do my best where I can to incorporate that as well. Let's look at the Sephirotic Tree of Life of the Kabbalah and help to uh, basically help people to understand uh, how this correlates to human consciousness. So, we see these ten sephirot, or these emanations, upon this tree symbol. They call this the tree of life, okay? And if we were to begin to label them or name them, okay, let's start at the top and come down. Because the the numbering system is, it begins at the very top. So, if you look at the top sphere or circle there, it says keter, which means crown, and that is traditionally viewed as, as the first sephirot. This is called the Ancient of Days. Now, I'm not going to uh, explain this one first. I'm going to work my way up, okay, from the bottom. But I want to talk about them in the order that they're usually spoken about as far as a numbering system goes first. So I'm going to name them, and I'm going to tell you what their number is. And I'm going to tell you what the Hebrew word means um, for each sephirot, okay, each sephirot. Okay? uh, Keter is number one. It means crown. Okay? The second one, we would now go over to the right-hand side, and it's called chokmah. Chokmah means wisdom. Okay? And this is number two, the second sephirah. Okay? Binah is the third. We're going over to the left-hand side now. Okay? So, along the right-hand side if you're following this in the image it says pillar of mercy okay so this is the the right-hand path or the pillar of mer- mercy okay the path of mercy the left-hand path or the left-hand pillar is the pillar of judgment or the pillar of severity okay the middle path which is the all-important synthesis of the two is the pillar of harmony with the pillar of mildness. Some people also refer to this as the pillar of the will. Okay? So, we start at number one, Keter, crown. We go to the right-hand path, the top of it. Okay? That's Chokmah, wisdom. That's number two. Sefirot number two. Sefirot number three is Binah, understanding. We're on the left-hand side now, okay? Now we go back to the right-hand pillar in the middle, and that is hesed. That is compassion or otherwise simply mercy, okay? Hesed. And that is number four.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: Number five, we would go straight across to the pillar of judgment or severity in the middle of that pillar. That is geburah, which means strength or severity. Okay, now we come to the middle pillar, right in the middle, the sphere labeled Tiferet. Tiferet means beauty, beauty. Okay, that's sphere number six. Sphere number seven, we're going to the right diagonally. Okay, and then we're at the bottom of the pillar of mercy now, and that is Netzah. Netzah means endurance. It also means victory. Okay, netzah. Now we go over, that is sphere number seven. Sphere number eight, we go across all the way to the left, to the bottom of the pillar of severity, the pillar of judgment. This is hod. Hod means uh, majesty or splendor. Splendor, okay? That is sphere number eight. Then we come back to the middle pillar. Okay, the one just above the bottom, it's called Yesod. Yesod is foundation. Foundation. That is sphere number nine. And then the bottom sphere upon which the tree rests okay, is Malkut. Malkut is kingdom. Kingdom. And that is sphere number ten. Now, it's very interesting to note numerologically, if you add all of the um, uh, numbers of the sephirot up, okay, you add them all up. Uh, And then you do gematria reduction upon them, meaning you keep adding the numbers down until you come up with a single digit. It equals one. Okay, so this is a tradition that is really based upon fundamental fundamental unity, unity, okay? You start at one, you, you really get back to one, okay? This is like a, uh, a round-trip journey, you have to look at it, okay? It's the energy of the creator separating himself into the physical world and then assisting the journey back up into a journey of oneness, which many traditions have talked about, that that is the breathing out and breathing in of God, so to speak, okay? It is the, uh, the cyclical journey of the soul, okay? It is the forgetting and then remembering process, okay? All different traditions speak about this. We can look at Malkuth, okay, being the physical world, okay? And this is where I'm going to start. It's 10, is its number, one zero, male and female, the phallus and the egg, okay? When we add them together, we get one, which is where we started at, up at the top, Keter, the crown, the ancient of days, the godhead. This is our last break coming up. We'll get back to this right after these words. I'm Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening on the Intel Hub News Network.
4: Girl, Get now is right you.
0: Are you still paying your credit cards and so-called bank loans thinking that you owe the money? Do you feel like it's your moral obligation but can't see an end in sight? Well, what if I told you that in truth, you don't owe a single penny and that the banks know this and hope you don't find out? Here's where we come in. Free2prosper.com specializes in a profound debt repudiation method which challenges the validity of your so-called debts, morally frees you from the burdens, and protects your property. Our system is often superior to sit bankruptcy or consolidation, which often leave you in a worse situation. If you feel the moral obligation to take care of yourself and your family, then I urge you to consider taking action right now. The economy will not wait. If you want to know more so you can prosper through the economic collapse, all while staying honorable and true to yourself, then call 877-417-8393. That's 877-417-8393. Or visit freetoprosper.com right now.
5: Hey, it's me, Shepard, the host of the Intel Hub. Check out my live show every Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can check it out from my website, theintelhubradio.com.
3: Join me, Joe Joseph, John King, and AC
2: Griffith, Thursdays and Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern for Freedom
3: Link Radio on the Intel Hub News Network. (laughs)
5: A very wealthy U.S. citizen is predicting that in 2011, we will witness the most important day in America in more than 50 years. He says it will change everything about our lives, the way you shop, travel, invest, educate your children, and even how you take care of your health and family. Now this man has made some outrageous predictions over the years, but the crazy part is he's usually right. You see, he predicted the collapse of GM, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and America's biggest mall owner, General Growth Properties, a few years ago. In fact, Baronis called his work a dire prophecy. Now, this has nothing to do with the stock market, but it could have a huge impact on almost every aspect of your life. And recently, he created a video which you can watch online for free, detailing his biggest and most important prediction yet. And it's a real eye-opener. I can't stress this enough. You should at least watch this free video online today. He explains everything you need to know, including simple steps you can take to protect yourself. You can find the video at www. End of America 8.com although this video may be offensive to some audiences it's worth checking out again that's WWW of America the 8.com watch this free video at WWW 8.com you are listening to the Intel hub news network crushing the new world order piece by piece <laughs>
2: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back on what on earth is happening. I was breaking down the symbolism of the Kabbalistic tree of life, I was beginning to look at the bottom uh, sphere on the tree known as Malkuth, which means kingdom. This is a representation of the physical world, the physical reality, the material realm. If you look at the um, image, uh, which is image number five, okay, um, it has the word kingdom on, on this uh, bottom sphere which is what Malkut means, it has the number 10, and um, it shows the uh, four um, uh, distinct elements that comprise the material realm. You have the uh, alchemical symbols of earth, air, water, and fire there, and you see the colors that are associated with them uh, in the Kabbalistic tradition. And, uh, you see that the sephirot itself is broken into uh, these four um, quadrants, each given to one of the material elements of the physical world, earth, air, water, and fire. This um, realm in the uh, Kabbalistic tradition uh, is the uh, the lowest or the farthest away from cosmic consciousness or the Godhead that one can really get. Uh, In some circles, it is looked at as hell itself. Because hell, by definition, is the separation from God and God-consciousness. So, uh, Malkuth uh, you know, is the realm of suffering. It is the realm of uh, um, uh, forgetting. Okay? Um, it is the realm of identification with the material elements. Okay? Ego, identification, base consciousness. And if we understand that the, the two pillars that are the, uh, the left-hand side path and the right-hand side path, the pillar of severity and the pillar of mercy, are really simply uh, dualistic aspects on the same forces. Okay? If we bring them together visually, now do this exercise with me, bring these two opposing pillars together along the middle pillar so that the spheres overlap each other, and you'll understand that we have a representation of the chakra system that I spoke about last week. We, you would then have seven spheres only because three of them would merge. Okay? These six spheres would merge into three. And you already have four uh, unitary spheres along the middle pillar in other positions. So these would merge to create the seven chakras. And indeed, that's what this is. They call the entire tree of life in the Kabbalistic tradition the ladder to God. And what it means is the ladder from Malkuth, which is at the bottom, to Keter, which is at the top. It is the ascendance of the energies that we talked about last week, going from the base chakra to the crown chakra. It's the same tradition viewed symbolically differently. And I'm going to break down each one and explain the correspondences, explain how this would relate to the chakra system, and explain what each sphere really represents within the self. Because that's what this tradition is about. It's not something that is outside of us. It is something that is, it is within. So Malkuth is the kingdom or is identification with base matter. This is the base fundamental, uh, base consciousness essentially. Um, from which we have to extricate ourselves and move back to a uh, higher level of awareness, which would be symbolically represent, rented, represented by the top sephirot known as keter, or crown. Okay? So, Malkuth would correspond with the base chakra. It corresponds with ego identification and rooting oneself in the material uh, world and being purely identified with that. Survival, instinct... Fight or flight. Um, uh, th- this would be the Saturnian uh, uh, aspect that we talked about last week when we looked at the the, the um, planets as being correspondences to the chakra system within the body. Okay, so now the idea is, if you stay in Malkuth, you're in hell. Okay, I think that's pretty clear to anyone who's listening to this show that this is where we're stuck. We're stuck in what uh, they call the lowest of the four worlds of Kabbalah, and uh, this is called Asiyah. Asiyah is the material plane, okay? And that's where you're at when you're in Malkut. And really, we're all here, because we're all in the material plane. But the idea is is to transcend that through working with our consciousness and building it up to higher levels of awareness so that we are not identified with the physical fi- fi- physical or material plane, even though we may exist within it. And this is what you know, the teacher uh, called, the people called Jesus in, in his words in the New Testament, uh, is attributed with these words when he says be in the world but not of it. Okay? So the first step toward leaving identification with the physical domain or Asiya or mal-kut, okay, is to get to the sphere of yesod. So there's there's tons of Kabbalistic meditations about the sphere of Yesod. There is uh Solomonic traditions deal with the power of this sphere. And it's very important. Uh, and uh, I'm going to really be talking about this a lot when I get into the presentation on the Wizard of Oz because uh, 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 at the Freer Mind fundraiser in a couple of weeks because... Uh, to a large extent, this sphere plays into that movie as one of its most important characters. Uh, I won't say much more about that, so I won't give too much away. I'll probably do that presentation on the air as well. I, I believe uh, that was requested here on the show. So uh, after, uh, after the, uh, the presentation happens with Germ Books, I probably will give it again on the air here. But um, the sphere of Yosot is the first step toward getting out of uh, identification ...with uh, the material world or ego identification. This is the um, correspondence to the, um, the genital or the sacrum chakra, okay? Because this has to do with desire. Desire to improve oneself. Desire to begin the process of transcending base consciousness. Okay? So this is wanting. Wanting or desire to improve. And that's really the first step toward anything. Okay? in our journey in consciousness. You have to want it. You have to have a desire for truth. You have to have a desire for higher knowledge. You have to have a desire to improve yourself. You have to have a desire to get out of ego and base consciousness. If the desire isn't there, you're stuck. You're what one of the dark occultists call the unbegun. So, yesod is the beginning of initiation. Okay, This is the beginning of the desire to, be, to begin the whole long journey it's, it's recognizing there's some place to go at all, okay it's not wanting to stay in the confines that have been created around us in the physical world in, in this uh, evolutionary trap really that is what the the new world order as it is called is the, the trap that, that is a, a, a degradation of human consciousness and a uh, you know trying to keep evolutionary progress. Uh, in consciousness, stagnated, okay? So, yesod is called foundation. It corresponds with the the sacrum chakra, which is the desire center, okay? Or the planet Jupiter, okay? Now, in the Kabbalistic tradition, the planetary attributions do not correspond with the chakra attributions as I am talking about them. So, understand that. I'm not... Uh, you know, if you look at image number four, you can see some planetary attributions, and they correspond this with the moon. But the moon is also a feminine desire principle as well, okay? So uh, th- there are Kabbalistic attributions in planetary terms with these spheres. I'm, I'm relating them with the tradition that I un- unfurled last week when I talked about the chakras as being corresponding to planets in the solar system. Okay, so this is, a, this is my twist on this or my take on it, okay? So, uh, yesod, desire, okay? The foundation, it is the beginning of initiation, wanting to know, knowing that you're in darkness and there's a long journey ahead, but it is still not being totally identified with uh, you know, all of the uh, you know, seeming pleasures of the physical world. Okay? It is knowing that there is someplace else to go from there. Now, the next two chakras are related to each other. Okay? So, hod, which is splendor, okay? or as it is called in number three, majesty, or ennetza, which is victory, or as they call it in image number three, endurance. Okay? They all relate to the will. They all relate to drive. They relate to the male energy. And if you bring these two together, okay, one is an internal aspect, okay, so hod would relate to courage, which is an internal quality. All of the qualities on the pillar on the left-hand side, which is called the pillar of severity, are internal aspects. And all of the pillars on the right-hand side are external aspects. So the the left-hand pillar in the Kabbalistic tradition is the lunar pillar. The right-hand tradition is the solar pillar, or masculine. Okay, lunar feminine is on the left in the Kabbalistic tradition, and the solar or masculine pillar is on the right. Okay? The sphere of hod represents courage. They call it majesty or splendor. Okay? And then willpower, to do things in the external world, to actually activate things and get them done, is netzah, or victory, endurance. Okay? So these are the solar plexus chakra as it is related with the, the chakra tradition that I spoke about previously. Okay? And this would, I would correspond this level to the planet Mars. As we talked about, that is the, the male aspect, the will aspect of the, uh, the planetary system. So um, this has everything to do with the will, the two aspects of it. Internal aspect, which is courage and then the external aspect, which is actual uh, using of the, 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 the ability that we have to do things in the physical world, which I would simply refer to as external will. Okay? Moving up from there, we come to Tiferet. Okay? Now, now uh, again, we're out of the realm that the Kabbalists talk about as the very base level of consciousness, which is the physical plane, which is Asiyah as soon as we moved to Yesod, we went up above that and we went to this realm called Yetzira. Yetzira is um it is the um I believe they call it the um uh, cre- it's the cre- is it the creative realm? Or the mental realm. I think it's the creative realm. I'm not sure. I'll look that up and, and be definitive on that next week when we continue this. But uh, we're in the realm called Yetzira, which is above the physical plane. Okay, so uh, we're in a higher level of consciousness, and we're working with different forces now than purely material forces. So we've seen the desire forces and the will forces. Now we're getting into the the real connective force the generative force and this is the heart energy this is the care energy and unfortunately that's all we really have time for here this week I will pick up on this next week Uh, I didn't get a chance to take the one caller that's on their caller I apologize for that please call in next week to the show I'll be continuing this breakdown of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life and the symbology that it contains I hope uh, you've enjoyed listening tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up where I left off next week. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Intel Hub News Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I'll see you all next week.